This is Lego Football. You're with David Farini. This is Lego Football. Serie A and Serie B are underway. We have our very first match day breakdown. We pay tribute to Claudio Garella and introducing the Lego Football Moscone moment. And joining us on the Lego Football podcast for match day one is Richard Hall, the host of the Inter podcast in English. And what better game to kick this off with than Lecce Inter. It's always good to be back and talking to you, David. I'm just so enthused, first and foremost, that football is back, Italian football is back. It couldn't have been any easier for Romelu Lukaku, his reintroduction into Serie A, a second-minute goal off the back of Damian's cutback. Too big, too strong. He is, and I think that the one thing that's gone for me through pre-season is that, I've said this on the Inter podcast as well, but Inter looks stronger than they did at the start of last season. When I look at the squad now, whilst I'm disappointed to see someone like even Perisic gone, um, there's there's players who've come into that squad. But I think that relationship between Lautaro and Lukaku is massive. Let's, let's be honest, they weren't at their best, but it was a good result. It wasn't perfect, but Lukaku being back at it, like you say, David, I think he's just absolutely massive. Yeah, so much depth for Inter now, especially up forward. And as soon as every football fan saw Romelu Lukaku's transfer go through, it immediately brought back the memories of a couple of seasons ago when Inter was so dominant. Edin Dzeko's there, Correa, Eddie Salcedo, I think he's still on the books. Pinamonti's been sold, you know, surplus to requirements. And, and perhaps he needs a project that he can be the protagonist of. Simone Inzaghi sending Lukaku and Lautaro out there. That's sort of so nice to watch those two at it. And it must be nice for an Inter fan like yourself to feel that and maybe to have that confidence, even though the likes of Perisic is uh, kind of in the autumn to the winter of his career. Darmian's still okay. You've got Robin Goosens there. Goosens is, uh, I think he, he has a big season this season. I think that he's really got to come up and, um, and stand up. I think that he will doing you know Denzel Humphries obviously we saw him at the end of the 95th um, getting that goal I think I think for instance it was a really important win because I think that you you know you don't always start perfectly if you look at the statistics I mean you look at the possession I think it was 70-30 something like that the passings the Inter had was so much more and don't get me wrong I was frustrated with it but I, I think you mentioned it perfectly there David that Inter's strength and depth is massive and I just think that knowing Inter and the mentality of the club that that win will really help because let's not forget we've got the derby coming up quite soon so I think that obviously we know what Milan did I think for an Inter perspective a draw would have been really really poor but it doesn't sometimes especially at the beginning of the season when people are rusty it doesn't matter how it comes as long as it comes yeah and there's been big reinforcements in the summer for Inter as well Simone Inzaghi opting to start Samir Handanovic. He was in goal for this game away at the Via del Mare. He looked relatively comfortable until Asan Cisse stoked the fire with a pinpoint finish into the far corner. So that brought it back to 1-1. We've already mentioned Lukaku's goal. It was a simple header. His very first goal in Serie A came against Lecce back in 2019 as well. So Cisse, he's a Gambian. He scored on his debut, finishing off from Federico Di Francesco's through ball. He's another debutante to be pinging around from club to club and finding himself now in Puglia. Cisse scored 22 times for Swiss champion FC Zurich last term. So you can't be too unhappy with the equaliser there, Richard, because he does have a bit of a goal-scoring background behind him. He played there alongside Wilfred Nyonto. He also has 13 goals for Gambia at international level. 
Asan Cisse, we all know his name now. Handanovic then saved from Bistrovic's free kick rocket, and that must have given you a couple of shivers. Absolutely, I think that you know you, you've got a situation where when you when you when you're up against Lecce as well, the Stadio uh, Via del Mare is a cracking place to play football. Thirty odd thousand capacity, and, it's a, and the fans do get behind them. Inter weren't on it; they weren't clinical. They had a lot, like I said to you before, they had a lot of possession. But I, I would call it wasted possession. Well, it is match day one. Some teams still have to gel. Exactly. Inter didn't have the most successful pre-season. Not that it really counts, the, the summer games that don't mean anything. It's not all doom and gloom when a newly promoted club yes. has to play one of the big three in the first round because you never know what's going to happen. You know that that team isn't going to be firing on all cylinders yet. Dumfries nudged onto the post and it seemed destined for the points to be shared. But he then bundled in the lucky winner in the 95th minute. But no one defending at the back post for Lecce. And they say you make your own luck and Inter take all three points. Dumfries was there in the right spot at the right time and, and three points taken back to Milan. 100%. You, you say you make your own luck there and I think Inter didn't give up and I think that's the one thing that Inter can take from the game is that you can't write them off this season. I would like that to at least be the take in the dressing room at the end of the day was what was said. I mean, God knows what was said. We don't know ourselves. But it would be nice to think that that would be the thing that don't write us off. We don't give up. And it wasn't the perfect performance but it's just getting through day one. And as you correctly said, you know, I mean, Lecce came up there at home. I mentioned the atmosphere in that stadium. It's a great stadium. They pushed hard. And in my opinion, and I will say this happily, they deserved a point. You know, into Inter come away with it that's great for, for Inter fans and, and great for the season I think as well because you know look Lecce will fight I, I think what we have to say about Lecce is that if they can do that against Inter on day one I hope that they will be able to give other teams a lot more of a game I don't think anyone should start watching Lecce and think they're going to be the whipping boys of City out they're not but it's a lesson for Inter as well Inter just needs to be a little bit more clinical but I'm sure they will be especially with the depth as you originally mentioned you know we'll just make a quick point about Lecce here. They brought in a couple of names like Falcone from Sampdoria in gold. They've got Baschirotto that came over from Ascoli. Let's not forget Lecce won Serie B. It was one of the most hotly contested second division stouches that I can remember with six teams still being able to come with a first place outcome and get automatic promotion. It was Lecce and Cremonese that happened to be promoted and Monza came up through the playoffs. Just on that Cremonese note there with uh, Radu and that sort of unfortunate incident against Fiorentina shades of last season it's a difficult look I think it's difficult with goalkeepers because as they always say one mistake you know can shape your career what was it in Italian 90 Pumpido Cameroon they stick in your mind for me Radu's a good goalkeeper Radu is a good goalkeeper and his coach defended him after the game against Fiorentina Alvini came out and said that Radu had a great game Radu was able to save a couple of good free kicks one from Baragi that sticks in my mind when the scoreline was 2-2 and it looked as though Cremonese were going to take a point I'll get it to that game and let Richard go and bring him back in for Serie B but uh, just on this Lecce Inter game I think it was a good performance from Lecce considering that they're up against one of the powerhouses not just in Italian football not just in European football but in world football of course Inter will be covered in English by Richard in the Inter Milan podcast. Next up though, Richard, it's uh, Lecce to go to Sassuolo and Inter host Spezia. They won on the weekend, uh, 1-0 over Empoli. They've got Daniel Maldini. What would you do if he got on the score sheet? 
that's that's one for anyone to put a bet on, isn't it? Really, I suppose not that I'm um, saying that anyone should bet, but yeah, that's uh, that's something that you can see happening. I'm quite positive with Inter now moving forward. I think that that will start to be more of a freight train now. I think um, it's out the station into our moving forward, and I have to say, from an Inter perspective, I I don't fear any team at the moment obviously the derby is going to be a big game when it comes up and, and things like that but I would expect him to, to, to well, yeah I do I expect him to get three points one thing David though I'm going to put this back to you Sassuolo you mentioned him just now yes Pinamonte's come in uh, I, I'm a big fan of Pinamonte by the way Berardi can we expect him to be consistent I'm worried I'm really worried about Sassuolo this season I think that that could be a, a real good game for Lecce uh, off the back of the Inter game for me Sassuolo are a team that I think will finish lower down the table but I don't know about yourself maybe I'm completely off, off, off kilter well, perhaps in the bottom half of the table look I think a lot of people would agree with you and they're always an unknown quantity ever since they came up from Serie B and they have had a couple of departures. They've always got their scouts out, though, looking for fresh talent. They brought in Fratesi. You know, they've even got those backup players like Mulder that can do a job and Ayan. They've only signed one player, apart from Pinamonte, Alvarez from Panarol. Gam, he's a real talent, but it's a gamble, isn't it? Yeah. He, it's a big he's gamble. He's a real talent. He's only 21 as well. It's a gamble, especially it's at 12 million euros. It's a gamble. Defrel's still there. The big one for me is Berardi. If he left, it would be much more of a blow in the short term, at the very least, as opposed to Raspadori, whether he signs for Napoli or not. Maxi Lopez is a great player. Fratesi, their midfield always works wonders. Getting forward, getting back. They did lose Locatelli. He went to Juventus, but you know they replaced him straight away with Fratesi. I think They'll do okay. I don't think they're going to think their days of seven sisters could be over. Hamadraiore is still there as well. So some good, good players, some big players. Dionisi still in his second season now as a coach. It all depends on a couple of different factors of whether they can hang on to Raspadori or not. If they do, you know, I'll put this back to you now. If they keep Raspadori and if he doesn't leave, are they a chance for, you know, at least a top seven or eight finish? I still think with Raspadori, I think mid-table... For me, that is this, and I keep this very short. It's not about uh, Smack or going to West Ham, but you've let a couple of squad players go as well, and they've not replaced him. And I just think in a long season, I'm a bit worried for Sassuolo. Don't get me wrong. One place where they, they might be weaker than usual is in defence. Chiliches left and he went to Cremonese. He's there for that project. But, mm. you know, mm. Gianmarco Ferrari is still at the back. He can do a job. He's an Italian international as well. They've got uh, Kanayan. Uh, Martin Ehrlich has crossed over from Spezia. We'll see how they're going to, to go. At the confidence levels going in away against Juventus. They, they did defeat Juventus last season. So they can pull off the big scalps, but then again, they can lose 4-0 to a Sampdoria like they did last season. So Hopefully, they, hopefully, hopefully they'll do well because we all like to watch them. Okay, Richard, well, we'll bring you back in for Serie B a little bit later on in the show. Superb, can't wait for that. Let's get to a few of the other Serie A games. Sampdoria Atalanta was the first game of the season. Caputo had his goal chalked off, the referee seeing something in the lead-up with Leri on Mela. And since then, there's been... A lot of words said about the incident. A lot of people think that Serie A and VAR got this wrong. All the Sampdoria fans also agree with that. The Danish winger for Atalanta then turned the ball onto the post from a yard out and it remained nil all until Toloi's header hit the back of the net after a stunning piece of Atalanta played Zapata and Malinowski wreaking havoc there. Qualiarella's volley on the left went inches wide 
in the second half. He then curled one off the crossbar. Evergreen Fabio Quagliarella. The dagger came from Lukman, a new signing, his first goal have all the time in the world slotting under Aldero on his left and that came in the very final moment of the game as Sampdoria were pushing for an equaliser. The Nigerian has joined from RB Leipzig although he played for Leicester City in the Premier League last term getting six goals in 26 appearances. London-born is Lukman having also played at Everton, Charlton Athletic and Fulham. He's now 24 years of age and he has a goal to his name now in Serie A after Gasparini injected him into the match with half an hour to go in place of Luis Muriel. Next up for Sampdoria, they have Juventus on match day two. Atalanta hosts Milan. And the defending champions, they hosted Udinese. It ended 4-2 at the San Siro. Rodrigo Becao scored the first goal of the Serie A season. Mr. Two-Minute Man, an unlikely source indeed as the Brazilian defender scored in the second minute of the season. But the glancing header from Gerard Delefeu's corner had enough power on it to beat Magnan. That's Bacal's fifth goal in Serie A. Three of them have come against AC Milan. Bit of pub quiz knowledge for you there. Then got a penalty after a VAR check. And Theo Hernandez converted that one. Calabria was taken down in the box when he was attempting to tap in from a Silvestri save. Soppy, the culprit, according to the referee. Calabria crossed in and Rebic then volleyed in for 2-1. But then another Udinese defender headed in. This time it was league debutant Adam Mazina diving in after timing his run perfectly from a perfect Pereira curling ball in. Another cock up at the back though for Udinese allowed Brahim Diaz to turn home for 3-2 after the restart. And Pereira was mowed down by Messias and Diaz and Rebic steered in for 4-2. That's how the game ended. It must be said that Udinese's defense was shambolic in this match from giving away the penalty for 1-1, failing to deal with a simple ball in from Calabria for Rebic's first goal, the calamitous header that sat for Brahim Diaz for 3-1, and then Pereira not dealing with the pressing, and then both Rafael Leao and Rebic lining up as options to slot the fourth. Something for Andrea Sotil, the Udinese coach, to ponder after his first game in charge. He came over from Serie B club Ascoli. Pioli will be relieved and content at the same time. The pressure is off now for the incumbent defending champion, the first-time Scudetto winner. Milan are away at Atalanta next. Udinese hosts Salernitana. Monza and Torino finished 2-1 for the visiting side. Torino, Andrea Barberis, captain Monza for the club's first-ever Serie A match in history. It started with Filippo Ranocchia, who tried from distance, but it went narrowly wide. That sparked some anger in the VIP section with Galliani getting emotional. Silvio, however, looked chilled. Torino picked the lock and kicked open the door with some stellar play on the edge of the area. Radonjic and Sanabria doing the breaking and Miranchuk doing the entering. The Russians scoring on debut for Toro, rolling the ball past Di Gregorio after 43 minutes. Monza gave the ball away far too easily in their own defensive third. The pressing and retrieval to open up the scoring. So good work there from Juric's side. It unraveled again for the Brianzoli. Radonjic, a new signing, instigating it all for Torino. Andrea Carboni slicing his clearance, which Samuele Ricci attempted his finish and it looped over Di Gregorio and sat invitingly for Tony Sanabria to spectacularly volley home from close range. It must be said, though, Torino deserved the victory, but it could have been a different story if big Vanya Milenkovic-Savic 
didn't palm away Caprari's effort late on as Danny Motta tapped in a loose ball. A consolation goal for him with the final play of the game, his first goal in Serie A. He scored 11 in Serie B last season. The Brianteo, known as the U-Power Stadium, had to settle for disappointment on their Serie A debut. Monza goes to the Maradona next to face Napoli, who played scintillating football against Verona. Torino hosts Lazio. In the lead-up to their first Serie A game in 26 years, the match day one clash with Fiorentina Cremonese paid tribute to the late Davide Astori on social media. Astori spent a season at Cremonese back in 2007, decade before his sudden and unexpected passing in March of 2018 in Udine. At the time, Astori was the captain of Fiorentina. Cagliari and Fiorentina have both retired the number 13 jersey worn by Astori in his honor, and the Italian international defender was inducted into the Fiorentina Hall of Fame. Cremonese wrote on Twitter before their match against Fiorentina at the Artemio Franchi. Today will be a day full of unforgettable emotions, as unforgettable as the memory of you, Davide, during a reception hosted by the incumbent president of Italy, Sergio Mattarella, at the Palazzo del Quirinale, following Italy's victory in the UEFA Euro 2020. Team captain Giorgio Chiellini, in his speech, on behalf of all of his teammates, he dedicated their victory to Davide Astori. And Giorgio Chiellini, in fact, he turned 38 over the weekend, now playing in the MLS with LAFC. So, auguri to King Giorgio. We did pay him tribute at Wembley in the final game of his career for Italy. Finalissima, you can go back and listen to that podcast. Scroll down on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening. Fiorentina 3, Cremonese 2. Bonaventura smacked the opener in after Kwame carved his way into the area and cut the ball back for Big Jack. Cremonese responded within two minutes, though. Okoreka steering his header in from around 10 yards to Bicolini. That's his first goal for the Grigiorossi, the grey and red. Luka Jovic scored on his league debut for La Viola after signing from Real Madrid taking touches and angling across Radu for 2-1. Then the big talking point was Gonzalo Escalante. He was sent off and Le Tigre was down to 10 men before the break. Matteo Bianchetti was eventually awarded the goal by Serie A, turning in from a Christian Bonaiuto corner with 22 minutes left. It was 2-2 and it looked as though Cremonese was taking a point home as Radu went from hero, saving a Biragi free kick to sub-zero, you could say. Orlando Mandragora's name is on the score sheet after he his attempted cross to the back post was gathered by Radu, but the ex-Interman fumbled the ball into the goal off the post. Fiorentina victorious, albeit with grande fortuna. And next up, they visit the Olimpico to play Roma. Doesn't get any easier for Massimiliano Alvini. Fiorentina hosts Dutch side FC Twente midweek in the UEFA Conference League and then plays the Tuscan Derby away at Empoli. Kwame and Sotil hailed for Fiorentina in the press. Italiano said that it was an important victory that gives his team confidence heading into the Conference League. So good luck to Fiorentina midweek. Lazio Bologna 2-1. There was more shocking goal, this time at the Olimpico. Another debutant with a howler. New Lazio keeper Maximiano sent off for handling the ball clearly outside the area in just the fourth minute of the season. Ivan Provedel was called into action. Lazio down to 10. And Bologna took the lead through Alnautovic's penalty. It was 1-0 at halftime for Bologna. But not before Adama Sumaro, the Bologna defender, was shown a second yellow card in the 48th minute of the first half. He was sent off. It was 10 versus 10, which allowed Lazio back into this game. And it was one of their former players who scored an own goal 
to their advantage, Lorenzo De Silvestri in the 68th minute. The Lazio captain with an assist by Milinkovic-Savic. In the 79th minute, the winner came, tucking that one under Skorupski. 2-1, Lazio escape. Bologna, well, they could have taken a result home. They didn't, and interestingly, Musa Barrow was not included in the starting 11. Nicola Sansone started up front with Arnautovic with Soriano in the number 10 role. No Aaron Hickey, no Arthur Theat, they both moved on. So Cambiazzo and Lico Giannis come into that Bologna lineup. So we head a little bit further south from Rome to Salerno. Salernitana hosted Roma. It ended 1-0, a very comfortable victory for Roma at a vibrant Stadio Arecchi. Paolo Dybala's debut. He could have had a brace of his own, but it was Zagnolo who produced the goods. Zagnolo was expected to leave in the summer window, especially considering Dybala's arrival. But lucky for Jose that he stayed on and still contributing on the scoreboard. It was a good debut also for Matic, who was strong in midfield. So Lenitana not displaying too much. A very organized and compact Roma. Wijnaldum also making his debut. Just the three substitutions used by Mourinho. Frank Ribery getting 35 minutes off the bench as well as Valencia, Zambia and Christofferson with a debut also for the Norwegian striker Bothheim. Andreva also getting his first start for his new club alongside Vilhena with Bonazzoli leading the line for Davide Nicola's side. With a couple of weeks still to go in this transfer window, is Belotti joining or is he going to Turkey? Does the Euro Cup winner want to play second fiddle? On the other hand, Belotti could join and wait around should Tammy Abraham depart Roma. We'll see how that plays out in the coming days. We'll get through the remaining games quickly. Spezia won Empoli nil. That was at the Stadio Alberto Pico. Mbala and Zola with a 36-minute goal. The assist from Simone Bastoni. Great start for Luca Gotti against Paolo Zanetti's Empoli. Both coaches coming into their new positions. Mattia Destro and Lammers, they started up front in a 4-3-1-2 for Empoli. Vicario is still there and we saw some game time off the bench for Cambiaghi, Satriano and Fazzini. One or two new faces for Spezia as well. Mattia Caldara starting in the back line. Dragovski in goal. Albin Ekdal coming off the bench. Daniel Maldini was an unused substitute. And Spezia with a big three points. Quiet achievers of Serie A last season. So third consecutive one for the Aquilotti Empoli. Also doing quite well last term. For those listeners in New Zealand, Libby Kakache not getting any minutes for Empoli. Perhaps the best-looking side out there this weekend was Napoli, who got a 5-2 win away at the Marcantonio Bentegodi over Verona. And with the impending transfer from Verona to Napoli of Giovanni Simeone and the passing of Claudio Garella, former goalkeeper who played at Verona and Napoli. In fact, he won a Scudetto with each club in the mid-1980s. It was mutual respect shown. There was a moment's silence before the game as well. A career for Garella of over 500 games. He also played with Lazio, Sampdoria and Udinese. He passed away on Saturday, age 67. And this was an opportunity to galvanize the tricky history between Verona and Napoli. The fans were reportedly on their best behavior for this one. And even though Napoli took it to Verona in the first half an hour, it was Kevin Lasagna! It was Kevin Lasagna who turned in unmarked all alone at the back post from a Coregunte header. That came in the 29th minute. It was more or less Verona's only chance in the first half. The new signing for Napoli. 
Kavica Quadratskelia, who headed in his first ever goal in Italian football. The cross coming in from Heaven Lozano and the Georgian with a big moment in his career. In the dying embers of the first half, Napoli got a corner kick and it eventually found its way to the back post to Vitor Seaman, who turned in in the third minute of stoppages. At halftime, it was 2-1. Verona equalized straight after the break through Thomas Henry before Piotr Zielinski made it 3-2. Seven minutes later, an assist. The assist coming from Kvaratskhelia. Stanislav Lobotka then got a rare goal. He did get one towards the end of last season. Now he has one in the very first game on match day one. That made it 4-2 in the 65th minute. Matteo Poli with a wonderfully finished goal from a really well-executed team move. The assist from Victor Osimen made it 5-2. There was a couple more chances going Napoli's way. They could have made it 6-7 or 8-2. Spalletti's men looked sharp. They looked intuitive, intelligent play throughout the team. A whole bunch of players left in the summer. Their most experienced players departed in Koulibaly, Insigne and Mertens. They've replaced those guys with Kim Min-jae in the back line, who was okay in his first game. Fadatskelia taking the place of Insigne on the left side. We'll see how he goes against more difficult opponents. We also saw a debut for Oliveira, the Uruguayan left back, coming in very late on. Alessio Zedbin got 15 minutes, spurned an opportunity, and then was offside when Adam Ornos made it 6-2. So that goal was chalked off. Piccoli and Dretzus off the bench for Verona, as well as the debut for Milan Juric, who's come over from Salenitana. Lots of big options there for Gabriele Cioffi. Not the result he would have wanted. Bruno Amione starting in a three-man backline. The usual suspects, Lazovic on the left with Fareoni. Verona captain on the right side. So moving on to the next match day, Verona are away at Bologna, both sides without points. Napoli host Monza, and that's something for Giovanni Stroppa, Galliani, and Bellosconi to think about. And the final game, the late game on Monday, was Juventus hosting Sassuolo. The perfect start for Juventus, a 3-0 win. Debutant Di Maria getting a goal in the 26th minute. He didn't exactly hit his volley sweetly. Shades of Van Basten back in the late 80s by hitting the ball into the ground and then over the keeper into the top of the goal. That came in the 26th minute. Vlaovic then converted a penalty in the 43rd minute. It was 2-0 at the break. Vlaovic with a second goal, getting his brace in the 51st minute. The assist coming from Di Maria that time. So a big night out for Max Allegri and his new strike force, his new strike pairing. Kostic, Miretti, Rovella and Sule getting minutes off the bench as well as De Ciglio. No surprises in the back line with Bremer debuting. Bremer starting with Brucci. The centre-half pairing, Alexandro on the left with Danilo on the right side. Locatelli and Zaccaria in the middle. For Sassuolo, disappointing outing. They did well to get points from Juventus last season. No Scamacca, but Defrel started up top with Kiriakopoulos and Baradi as his attacking support. Fratesi with new signing Thorsfett in the midfield. For Sassuolo, a disappointing outing. They had beaten Juventus twice last season, 2-1. Berardi getting a start up top with Defrel and Kiriakopoulos. Thorsfeld debuting and Raspadori coming off the bench at halftime as Dionisi was looking for answers. Pinamonti also getting a debut. They just couldn't get going on the night. Juventus getting the points. They join Napoli at the top of the table and that's on goal difference at the moment. But it's only match day one. Napoli and Juventus fans will be ecstatic with the way that the weekend panned out as will 
Milan supporters and even Inter supporters with a valuable 2-1 win away. We are introducing a new section into the pod. It's called the Moscone Moment. And this is a moment of the week where someone in culture loses their mind. I'll give you some context. This is in memory of Germano Moscone. He was actually born in Verona, a sports journalist and an anchorman. And basically since the inception of YouTube, he became an internet celebrity. And that's how I actually found him. Moscone, born in Verona, was a well-known television personality in northern Italy due to his sportcasting on Telenuovo Network in Verona in the 1980s until his death in early March 2012. Every now and then, he would go to the swear word department, blasphemy, insults and other rude language, both in Venetian and Italian, as well as other humorous antics and that's what made his videos go viral. So let's give you a sample of what he was capable of. Amici in ascolto un cordiale buongiorno. Quella di ieri è... cos'è che è caduto dall'altra parte, Dio? Dio buono. Dai, ricominciamo da capo, dai. Vaffanculo! Se io trovo quello che mi ha fatto innervosire Dio Kang e do un pugno che gli spacco la testa. Dio Lo troverò quel deficiente prima o dopo, eh. Perché mi prendi nel bottone? Perché chi è che sarà la porta? Dio cane! Che sarà la porta? Nessuno. No, nessuno, Gesù Cristo, non nessuno! He did lose his temper on air and occasionally. So do footballers and people working in sport and culture. Well, let me give you an example of a Moscone moment. We'll go into the past. We'll go into last season. Davide Nicola throwing his shoe on the touchline. That's what we're going to consider a Moscone moment. Let's go back even further. Giovanni Trapattoni hurling insults during a press conference. A Moscone moment. Now let's bring in match day one and let's go to the Brianteo. Adriano Galliani with his frustrations during the Monza Torino match. And you can see images in the highlights reel on the Serie A YouTube channel if you go and watch the Monza Torino highlights. A little bit upset that Filippo Ranocchia didn't find the back of the net from outside the box. A little bit harsh in my opinion. Then there's Andre Radu for his Moscone moment. The way he reacted punching the goalpost when Fiorentina's winner went in. Understandable though. Most professional sportsmen would react in a very similar way. But for me, and this one's coming from Serie B, the Moscone moment of the week is Roberto Venturato for Spal. The post-game moment that he had with Filippo Inzaghi. We've tweeted about this on the Lega Football profile. Before the match started, Venturato wanted to shake hands with Pippo Inzaghi, but Inzaghi was nowhere to be found. Instead, he was talking to the Spal Sporting Director, former colleague of Inzaghi's elsewhere. And uh, Venturato let that simmer all game, and eventually his side lost 3-1 to Regina. Big start for Pippo. Post-game, Filippo then went looking for Venturato, and Venturato wanted nothing to do with him, and then let him have a few words. That is our Moscone moment of the week. Serie B. The Serie B match of the round. Venezia Genoa bring Richard Hall back in for this one. The battle of the two famous port cities. It finished an away win for Genoa. Good start to the season for them. 2-1 over Venezia. Richard, did you get to watch this one? Well, both of these teams, but more Genoa, have a little nice place in my heart because... Um, for anyone who's not read the book about William Garbett and the, the, how he really brought Genoa on, uh, it's a really great book to, to, to read. And I think because there's a real English um, affiliation 
Um, Genoa has always been, I don't know, the atmosphere there. I know that most people would go towards Sampdoria because of their kit and because of, you know, ever since 1946, it's been more the newer club. But for me and you, David, you know that I douse myself in Italian football history and I go right back and we have a laugh about this in the Inter podcast that I always talk about players from the 30s or the 60s. So with Genoa, for me, it's one of, it's, it's the oldest club. It's an English loving club. It's a club with so much history that I I think gets a lot of bad press. So yeah, I was definitely watching this. And then you've got Venezia, which is just slick, lovely, beautiful. Uh, although we'll see, well, I'm gonna ask you a question, David, here. I think Geno had the better kit. And that's not something you normally say when you come up against Venezia. That's a big statement because Venezia is known as the fashionable football club, not just of Italy, but of the planet. Genoa's away kit, yeah, did look very stylish. Whoever's in charge there is doing a good job, so I have to agree with you. The nine times Serie A champions. Also, uh, Genoa going for their seventh Serie B title and off to a fantastic start. Let's go through some of the match details with Portanova sprinting away, beating the offside trap, but still had to shift that ball past Jesse Joranen and slide it in from an acute angle and over the top of two pairs of legs as Venezia defenders slid to block the shot. Brilliantly done in the end for 1-0 at a rowdy Pierluigi Penzo. That goal had Genoa ahead in the 37th minute. Tremendous work by Milan Bardell as well to launch that pass forward, catching Venezia off guard as they were pressing to score at the other end. Superb goal, Richard. I can't understand why Portanova is still at Genoa. Now, I want him to be at Genoa because I want Genoa to do well. But I just think that he's one of those players who I expected in the preseason to be signed by a, I don't know, even. We talked about Sassuolo earlier on, we talked about Nat, we could talk about Napoli, we could talk about so many clubs that would, why has no one signed this guy? He's, he's incredible. For me, he's incredible. I just think he's. And he's very versatile. Real, he's very versatile. Yeah, he exactly. can play as a mezzala, he can play as a seconda punta. And he's exactly. had his haircut, the long locks have gone, he's got the short hair, he's, uh, you know, looking a bit more smart, casual now. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's uh, given him that burst of pace that he was lacking in Serie A last season. I agree. I'm surprised that he hasn't stayed in Serie A with someone. He's gone to Genoa from Juventus. But, you know, last season, Genoa were battling, and I called a couple of the Genoa games at the time when Blessing took over, even the nil-all draws that they were getting. And I think they had five or six. But he looked like a club man. Every pass, he was challenging. He was... Yeah, He seems like one of those dogmatic Genoa players wants to stay there and see the job through and get them back to Paradiso. So I absolutely agree about Portanova here. And some of the other players that have stuck with him, like Ekuban, you know, he, his acrobatic attempt in the second half from a corner. Yes. Uh, got behind it, though. The ball looked like it was skimming off the surfaces at times. But Venezia was rewarded. Let's talk about Venezia for their determination when Johnson pounced. It was the Nicolas Pierini free kick. It cannoned into Genoa's new keeper, Josip Martinez, and then bounced back into play. And the Norwegian, four goals in Serie B for the Arantxoneto Verdi in 2020-21. He made no mistake and crest into the gaping goal. You know, good free kick. Tested out the keeper. Lucky bounce, but Johnson put it away. I, that's the one thing, Jenna, ever since Perrin um, left and now he came back on loan again. Uh, but Martinez there, that would worry me a little bit. I wanted, I'd like to see Martinez a, a few more times. Um, you know, you look at that back line, you see the likes of Barney in there. Um, you have the, some good players, but... Dragosin as well. Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 
Payach has come back from Brescia now, so he's quite a crafty left back. Yeah, exactly. You talk about versatile players and there's someone. I think this general squad's really strong. I'm very protective over goalkeepers because of my past. <laughs> but uh, but it was a bad mistake. It was a bad mistake. But I look at this general team and weirdly, I look at it and find them far more exciting in Serie B than they've been in Serie A for many a moon. Yeah, struggle street in Serie A. Via del struggle for uh, Genoa and it's it's good to see Blessing still there, you know, coming over from Germany. He took over at a time when Genoa were rock bottom and he managed to galvanize his side and get some results, even though I think it was six consecutive draws. But, you know, they looked like they were on a mission to somehow stay up. It was Salernitana in the end with their miraculous escape. But Jonsson, I should say, scoring that goal, you know, that's good for his confidence. He only ended up with one goal in Serie A last season. He's a great player, so fast as well. He's got the skills. He's still young, just like most of the Venezia squad. It was a move that paid off for Ivan Javocic, the Venezia boss, bringing in Jonsson off the bench at halftime for Facundo Zabala in response to Portanova's opener. A 4-3-3 system for Venezia in which he's kept the spine of last year's team in Cecarone and Buzio in those key central positions. He's still got Senegoy as well with Jonsson and Svoboda. They were all part of that Serie A squad with Haps, Fiordilino, Tesman and Novakovic, which all started. There's an American flavor there I wanted to to bring up. Yes. And, uh, it, you know, that starting 11, there were three of them. But there are a couple of others that are in the squad, including a 20-year-old midfielder, Jack DeVries. Uh, he's joined from Philadelphia Union. And the 19-year-old midfielder, Patrick Leal, is there also. He was a sporting youth player, un gusto americano. So... <laughs> What do you think of that? Yeah. Good for American fans? Yeah, no, I think I think that, you know, when you look at Venezia and you think of the, the ownership that's been there, I mean they've gone through so many different types of ownership over the over the years. And in the past there's of course been an American flavour too. But I think when you when you actually look at that score, whilst there is an American flavour, when you look at players like, I don't know, uh, Zampano, uh Forellino, Busio, those sort of players for me are a going to be the players that sort of keep them up. When I look at the two lineups here, and we spoke about Portanova before, I think Genoa have more difference makers. I think that the Venezia team is is solid. I think they'll be very much challenging for the top. And I might be completely wrong here. And I hope I am, because I've got, there's nothing better than seeing Venezia in Serie A. Um, especially that's going back to my old haunts of when Rakoba was there, which we could talk about for hours and we have done another podcast. The glory days. The glory days, yeah. But, you know, look, I want, I want both these teams back in City Out. Uh, but if you're going to ask me, I think the Genoa stand more chance of it. Because, uh, we, we, you know, you talk about, look at the forwards. I mean, Ekoban looked good, looked uh, lively, looked like he would want to do things. Coda, for me, I think he's just a solid solid player so good we haven't even mentioned Massimo Corda the no, leading no. goal scorer from Serie B last term with 20 goals for Lecce instead of going to Serie A he decided to stick there with the second division there's, there's no doubting he's a superstar in Serie B so he knows where his bread's buttered and uh, Massimo Corda with Genoa that is huge because he should get at least 15 goals this term that's the difference and that that is the difference because when I look at the the, the strikers and the midfielders and I look and I think where are those goals coming from well for Venezia, for Venezia you're assuming they're playing that kind of false nine 
unless they get someone in the next couple of weeks before the window shuts. Exactly. But exactly. Uh, they, they do have an Irishman on the bench. He's an attacker that is, uh, he's from Galway, Aaron Connolly. 22-year-old attacker. He was part of the Republic of Ireland's World Cup qualifying squad who got a couple of goals against Birmingham and Derby in the championship while playing at Middlesbrough last term. He's also appeared in the premiership with Brighton. We'll see how he goes. I'm not sure he's going to make that difference, but you never know because Serie B is full of surprises. So Let's not forget when Kyle Lafferty and uh, Paolo Dybala tore up Serie B for Palermo, another Irishman. Years gone, years, years gone by. By the way, if anyone wants to look, just have a have fun with City of B, if you go on YouTube, I think there's a, I can't remember what, where it is, the link now, but there's one of Kyle Lafferty's goals for Palermo. And I think he's done some, you'll like this, because he's done some sort of weird Euro trance tune. Uh, but it's one of the best things you can watch on YouTube. Brilliant. I'll have to find it and mix it in. <laughs> or maybe remix it for the, yeah, remix one of the backing it. tracks of this show. All the backing tracks in this show I've actually put together myself, believe it or not. But back to the match now with the scores at 1-1. Both sides could have won it. Venezia didn't hold back, but Genoa took the points with Kelvin Yeboah's header. That was a winner three minutes from time. He actually started the move before laying it off to Novakovic, who took it to the byline and curled it perfectly back to Yeboah, who had repositioned himself. He was around that penalty spot area, and that enabled him to run with pace at the ball, get a good vertical leap in as we saw how easily he got up and over Rigciano Haps, and he steered that into the far corner. That happened right in front of the Genoa fans who'd made the trip over and scenes for that goal. They knew that that was the winner. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing, I think we started this conversation talking about the Genoa fans and they're absolutely iconic. They're probably as good as the Atalanta fans and the fact of every time, and you know, you see the new uh, little babies born and, and, and there's always a Genoa flag around the little baby. It's like a thing that they do and, that's what I was saying before. For me, they I would like them back in City A because I do think the fans are incredible. And you could see it there when Kelvin Yeboah scores. And again, I, I'm going to flip back. I think that those results, we, we talked about this before, those results in the early season games matter. But it's not how you win, it's just that you win. And I think that this for Genoa will give them a, a big, 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 big boost. Especially, you know, you, you look and um, you think... Okay, Serie B is going to be difficult this season. It's going to be one of the best leagues to watch this season, in my opinion. I'd rather watch this than many of the leagues, which I won't name. I'll be watching a lot of Serie B, and I think because you've got so many good teams, when we talk about Benevento, we talk about Brescia, we talk about God knows who, it's going to be a really tough, tough fight. But for Genoa, I'm backing them this season in Serie B. They're, they're sort of my club in Serie B to go to go up. What a start. It doesn't matter how it comes. It had that feeling as if, you know, it was Lecce Inter with a late winner as well, away from home. It was, as you said, just a game where you had to get the three points yeah. any which way you could. And I might just mention that was Kelvin Yeboah's first goal for Genoa. He didn't get one in 17 appearances in Serie A last term. His last league goal was for Sturm Graz in the Austrian Bundesliga in December 2021. A big moment for him. Genoa take the points. There was some controversy right at the death as Venezia thought they'd equalise, but it was chalked off for offside and rightly so. Genoa making a statement here. They win away on match day one against one of the favourites to go up to Serie A. But where to now for Javucic and Venezia? They'd had rotten luck, you could say, Richard, with 13 players testing positive for the Coppa Italia, of which they've now been eliminated. Some of those players unused in this game. It's not the end of the world, but another test and a sentimental test for Ivan Javocic comes on match day two already 
next up against the club that he managed until two months ago, Sud Tirol. Yes. Back to his old stomping ground at the Druzo in Bolzano. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it will be tough. And Venezia have been unlucky. And obviously, you know, we, we've said before, we wanted to do quite well. And Sud Tirol, of course, you know, going down 2 to Brescia on the opening day. So I, I think that's a game where, for me, Venezia have to get a result I think if we are if we have that same maybe I'm assuming here but okay let's just say it's my dream that Genoa and Venezia go back up I'm looking at their that game sorry and thinking well you know Brescia 2 against Tirol obviously uh, if I think Brescia are a good team as well I think they could do well Brescia are a great team a great very team. unlucky to bow out against Pisa in the playoffs Absolutely. I might just mention here they are a good team, and, and this is how good Sud Tirol's debut was in Serie B. Yes, they lost 2-0, but they had more ball possession. Goal attempts were 20 for Sud Tirol against 8 for Brescia, so 12 more. The shots on goal that were on target, roughly the same, so you know nothing doing there. But in terms of corner kicks and other stats in the games, it was very, very even. Or Sud Tirol had the better of the game. Of course, when you're chasing the game, it often pans out that way. The opening goal there was in the 37th minute. So Sutrol chasing the game since then. It was their debut. They would have loved Javucic at the helm because he broke those records with Sutrol. They were the best performing team and, and club in Europe last yeah. uh, season. And I've actually interviewed Javucic about this a couple of months ago after the season's end for Serie C Lega Pro and he was still at the club so you can find that on the Lega Football podcast as well and also on the YouTube channel if you want to see Ivan himself and he also mentions uh, one of the former Brescia great players Roberto Baggio but um, Genoa hosting Benevento next and another massive yes. game that they'd love to win as La Strega is one of the favourites to finish yes. in the top eight but they lost on the weekend at home to Cosenza automatic promotion is the objective undoubtedly for Blessin and you would expect yeah. for Benevento as well completely and I think that was the biggest shock that was probably my biggest shock of the weekend Benevento losing because uh, you look at um, uh Glick obviously you look down that squad Viviani there's so many good players there for a Forte Tello and you look Acampara my, my, one of my favourite midfielders uh, in the league Acampara yeah. Just and solid, yeah, absolutely. So solid. And this squad feels like it's been on the progression to go up, and it's building, building, building. Might not be the most spectacular team you're going to watch. Again, brilliant stadium, brilliant fans, but to go one nil down on the opening day, I think if Genoa, I think this is the statement game for Genoa. I'm going to go so far as say this is how exciting City B is already. Genoa, that that is the one game apart from, of course, Inter because I have to be clip colours and tick the box. But no, in a serious note, uh, Benevento, Genoa, uh, Genoa Benevento, sorry, is the game I've got my eye on. Because I just think that could really, really knock Serie B, like knock all our head spaces. Because in my, in my eyes, Benevento win this game and then it's all to play for. But if Genoa win this and Blessing's got this idea that we know he has... It will send chills down the spines of all the other opposing coaches. Even the likes of Pippo Inzaghi at Regina. And he's got a really good squad. But, you know, Venezia, they actually sent Francesco Forte over to Benevento in January. He's still there. He didn't get on the score sheet. It was Laravi, the uh, ex-Serie A and uh, Serie B player that he played with Cagliari. He was their hero, including in the playout against Vincenzo. He yes. got that goal. Huge win away from home because they are always starving for points. 
the wolves of Cosenza. So, look, I'll leave it with you there. We'll hope to have you again on the podcast soon. Oh, we love our regular contributor, Richard Hall. He's available on Twitter if you want to see what he's talking about at Rich Hall 80. And he's the host of the Inter podcast in English. He was the Lego contributor today for the Lecce Inter breakdown and also the Venezia Genoa. Richard, thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Love talking about City B and, of course, City A and Inter. So thank you, David. Grazie mille. I'd like to thank Richard Hall for joining us once again. Richard does love to watch a bit of third division as well. But let's go to the first City B game of the season. didn't take long for goals in both Serie A and Serie B. There were two two-minute men, Rodrigo Bacal for Udinese in the second minute of the season and Dennis Mann for Parma, that one in Serie B on Friday night. For those of you who are new listeners, I'm David Farini, Serie A and Serie B match commentator and just general guy that hangs around the internet speaking about culture and other random football things. So thanks for joining us. It's great to have you here. If you don't know much about us, Lego Football is also on Substack. We have a whole section on Serie B. It's not well covered throughout most publications, so we tweet things of interest to us as well. We have interviewed fans and uh, journalists and all sorts of people. We've even done an interview with Alessandro Cercati of Parma, now trying to make his mark in world football. Signori, signore, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, David Farini. Ci sentiamo. We'll see you later on in the week. This is Lego Football.